Welcome to Trove Talk, your weekly gaming and getting to know you podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Starkey from trevortrove.com, and joining this me, joining me this week, I have uh, none other than Christian Puente. Christian, how you doing? At Pixel Brave. Hey, I'm I'm glad to be talking to you. I need this uh, right now because things are actually a little tough. My car just died, and so yeah. I'm very eager to just forget that and just talk to you about just fun stuff. Yeah, you mentioned that. I, <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that like. So you're just kind of stranded at the house. That's a bummer. And your car, your car was very, yeah, very helpful in getting us around uh, RTX, as I recall. So I'm, I'm sad. Yeah, that's right. Sad that's to right. see her go. <laughs> um, is it like reparable, or is it going to be like, nope, you just gotta get a new thing going? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be, I'm gonna replace the engine, and I mean, not me. I'm not. I don't have that skill, but. Um... It'll, uh, it'll take some time, but uh, she'll be up and running. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, Christian, for those that don't know you, go ahead and maybe give uh, give yourself a little uh, a little plug, a little rundown. Tell the pe- tell the fine folks who are watching on the internet or listening on the phones or whatever where where you're from, what you're known for. Well, I mean, anyone that follows you mostly would be familiar with my work in the kind of funny community. In that, usually I'll go to conventions or events, and I'll do event recaps um for all the lovely people who are part of the community but can't make it to the events that's the reason why I put yeah the uh the excellent little uh recap videos that you you and i especially at, like kind of funny live too you and i would stay <laughs> up until like three four five in the morning you editing away me writing away um it was we were just kind of driving each other to to get the work done and you uh like i i would i definitely like tapped out way earlier than you did every time so I like I don't know how you did it, buddy, but good, good for you. And the videos definitely turned out great. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Christian's videos, uh, they're they're phenomenal work that kind of just capture the feel and the the excitement of, of everybody at events like um, uh, RTX, like P, uh, PSX, like Kind of Funny Live. Um, uh, I think the first one I remember seeing was like we were both there. But we didn't really meet uh, at that one. But that was the IGN house party last year for Beyond 400 and, and uh, Unlock 200. You did that, and I remember seeing the video a couple days later and seeing myself in there and being like, "Oh, that's really cool! Yay, neat!" And then we actually like met at at PSX later that year, and and, uh, and we're definitely more became much more acquainted at that point. And I was like, "Oh, you're the guy that did that video. That's awesome!" So small world. Uh, but uh, but yeah, you you do some great work out there. And then what's the uh, the the new project that you're kind of working on? Go ahead and tell the people about that a little bit. Yeah. So after the credits is like a new video series that I wanted to do because I mean, and I even mentioned it in like the pitch um, for the series is that like I can't be at every event, I can't be at every convention or meetup, and as much as I wish I could. So I just, uh, I feel bad that everybody's working on stuff. You have your Trove Talk, Alex does Alex Talk, and the B-List was a thing going on too. And I was like, I need something I can do more frequently. So originally, uh, after the credits was supposed to be like a super micro, like we would fit on Twitter in like under two minutes. Like it was just going to be reviewing a movie and then giving recommendations. Like I saw Star Wars and here are two other space movies that I think people would dig. But then it kind of evolved into something bigger that I could spend more time with where it's more just me recounting some of my favorite films or movies or whatever and talking about like why they mean something to me because I mean really like I think one of the biggest influence for that pivot was you I was listening to you got to you and Alex specifically on the road and uh man as much, uh, you guys just take these deep dives into different like Hamilton and music and I was like 
I feel this way about so many of my films and I'll be driving to the corner store and just randomly start thinking about how much a, a certain movie reminds me of, of, I don't know, my family or friends. And I was just like, I need to get these thoughts out of my head and like onto, you know, the camera. So um, it pivoted a bit and became something a lot similar to like what, uh, you know, uh, just something a bit more produced than originally intended. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Uh, definitely check out after the credits. I'll certainly link to uh, to uh, just your your YouTube account uh, in the in the description below. Uh, but yeah, like uh, I'm I, I'm so glad that you that uh, Alex and I were like, I like I guess in a way. Um, kind of sparked that that uh, you making that jump and starting to do that because it's been really cool stuff seeing you kind of come out and talk about stuff like um, uh, Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, and and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun getting to see. Uh, I, like I tweeted out yesterday, I think like it sucks because all of my friends are creating amazing things and I definitely don't have time to do all of them, but or to 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 consume all of them, but. Um, when I do, uh, like, I, like I'm glad I've gotten to see some of your your videos that have been coming out. So, um, so yeah, keep up the the good work, and everybody go go check it out, uh, as well as uh, all of his kind of event videos from uh, from events past. Um, so let's go ahead and get started with uh, as as we do in every uh, every first topic of the show. Go ahead and uh, give me a rundown of your gaming history, Christian. What got you into gaming, uh, and, and what okay. uh, what kind of like what drives you in the in the gaming sphere? Uh, well, I mean, so weird to talk about because it's just always been like a casual part of my life and it didn't become more serious until I started following Beyond. But I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Like, uh, first, one thing I wanted to mention that is like, I was, I'm, I'm super glad to be talking to you about gaming history because as I listen to Zyger or Alex or anyone talk about their first consoles and they're like, my, my mom bought me a Wii or a PS3 and I'm like, man like i feel so old because man my first console was a snes and, and <laughs> oh I, a snes that's oh, oh i'm so old like atari 2600 <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> true touche touche <laughs> but i mean so i mean that's kind of like that was the first kickstart was was um, having a super nintendo and gifted that for one christmas um and i, I kind of recently went back to my parents and asked like hey so why did i i remember like how i was like as a kid and I never really asked for things, let alone big things like a console. So like, and I'm never, I'm sure I never asked for one. So why would y'all get me that? And they were just like, I don't know. It was the thing that people wanted. Things kids wanted. So we got you that. And ever since then, it was just kind of like a pretty casual part of my life. It was just you know something to do with my brother. He's younger than me by three years. And my cousins, we just you know get together on weekends. Um, and I mean, I think it was a pretty mainstream evolution um, as far as like how gaming was a part of my life like it was just a pretty casual like everyone else did they start with one console and just every year they get the new one um so yeah SNES followed N64 followed GameCube and then eventually uh I jumped off of Nintendo into PlayStation and that was kind of what led me to taking things more seriously was that everything in Nintendo like Nintendo games are fun and all but I think PlayStation the games are a bit more richer um, because like there's there was such a, an RPG factory, mm-hmm. you know. Wait, I think RPG factory is actually the name of the game. It's that it's now the Never name mind. of a company. I'm well, lost. I'm getting there's RPG Maker and then yeah, RPG Factory are is the studio that now does that did like I Am Setsuna. Um, so that it is a it is a Square oh, okay. Enix studio yeah, that, <laughs> that is just d- only exists to <laughs> crank out RPGs. So so yeah. Um, 
Let's uh, uh, before we yeah, before we get kind of there as I was coming out of my mouth. Before we get too far down there, like um, so, starting with SNES, like what what kind of games were you were you kind of being first exposed to? Just, was it just kind of standard Mario, or or were you kind of um, playing some other uh, other like tentpoles of of that era? It was basically almost exclusive Mario, just Mario, uh, Super Mario Land, and uh, obviously All Stars, and so I just fell back into that whole. Uh, history of Mario leading up to Super Mario World um, and I liked watching a lot of genres of games but I didn't play them myself um, I, I watched a lot of like Contra and uh, um, shooters and uh, but mostly as far as like what I played for myself was just uh, straight platformers okay awesome any and that's what I mean by like it was really catch oh, I was saying like that's what I mean by like gaming was kind of casual for me in that like it was something I enjoyed for entertainment sake but like I didn't like get sucked into it like a lot of people did um I guess because like I'm more story based and I didn't really know where to find games at the time that you know had an emphasis on story because it just everything was kind of just like we'll jump and save the princess or whatever right um, yeah. so right so back then gaming was just watching the pretty graphics kind of you know thing yeah makes sense um so what? Uh, so like continuing on then, what ca- like just as a as a as a casual fan in, in your terms, like what what kept you or what like if it wasn't if you weren't in it for story in like the Super Nintendo and the in going into the N sixty four and and beyond, what um like what was it that kind of kept you into it? Were you you were having fun still enough or enough fun as a as a as a just kind of enjoying yeah the yeah it was it was it was. Yeah, it was it was a medium that brought me and like all my uh, my family together. And when I say family, I mean my cousins. Like, um, they were all my same age, and so it was just something that kept bringing us together every weekend. And so it was just like it was just the method in which we became social. You know, it was what brought us to together. And so that's why, even if I'm not the one playing myself, if my dad renting a game is what it takes to like everyone's coming over and us trying something new, then like that was you know part of what me into gaming I guess. yeah cool uh did so with that kind of familial experience were you playing a lot of like um group games like uh, like mario kart and stuff like that or, or, or like multiplayer games or or was it just somebody would play and everybody else would kind of just be around and watch and visit and, and that kind of experience it was more like that for for snes but obviously when n64 came out you got four players and introduced so many more multiplayer things like mario party uh, Mario Kart. I mean, Mario Kart. Yeah, that was on SNES, but like that changed the game with like you know like adding more players to the to the to the challenges. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I don't know. If I yeah, no, that. definitely. That's uh, yeah. Um, did you have any kind of um, uh, any kind of like handheld experience through this, or was you were you just kind of console? I was purely console until DSi came out, and that was like uh, because. By then, by the, um, I mean, Game Boys, like, they look cool and all, but I just, uh, I don't know. I don't even know why I didn't get them or didn't ask for one, but it was just handhelds weren't really a part of, um, you know, my gaming repertoire or whatever. Um, but um, The World Ends With You was coming out, and that looked really cool, and by then I was heavy into Kingdom Hearts, and when I found out that Tetsuya Nomura, the creator of Kingdom Hearts, was taking a part into this new RPG called... Uh, World Ends With You, that's what was I had to get the console to play that game. Like, And then ever since then, I fell in love with DSi, and I've just been playing RPGs on it ever since. So I'm 
sometimes it takes following a, a creator and what they do into trying nice. to do yeah, it was, uh, I, uh, I just recorded last night. I was on um, uh, the podcast of Joys, Joys of Games, and we were talking about, um, like, we ended up getting mm -hmm. talking about Final Fantasy, and I talked about how um, the reason I went to PlayStation was because that was where I could get Final Fantasy. Was uh, like as somebody who grew up with mm. with, with Final Fantasy, then two and three is like my favorites in the genre, uh, or favorites like uh, of gaming. Um, to find out that there was now there was now a Final Fantasy seven on this PlayStation device, um, I was immediately like, wait, wait, there are four new games that I've missed. What like what's going on? And then uh, uh, the but the more immediate thing was like, oh well, like that's where Final Fantasy is, so I'm gonna go to that. Um, I wasn't even thinking necessarily in terms of like. The developer, I, like I knew Squaresoft, but I didn't know the names on the game necessarily. Like I probably didn't even know like Miyamoto at that time. So it was it was just kind of the brand loyalty that was getting me um, uh, from one place to the next. Um, I, I think I was still too young to start like piecing outside of like Sid Meier, Civilization, and Will Wright for The Sims. Um, I didn't know names until probably much later. Uh, but that's that's cool that like you. You got brought into um, the world ends now, or, or uh, which what was it? sorry what was the name of the game? It was one that I like I never actually got around to playing because I think I was late to DS. The world ends with you. Uh, the world yeah, ends okay. with you. <laughs> That's cool that like you 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 recognize that um, kind of the that creator um, had something special that you that really connected with you and you wanted to kind of continue and follow and support the work. Um, it's, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll dive yeah. into it probably maybe later in, in, uh, in your, your non-gaming topic, but has that kind of, um, has that, has that like, um, passion for the creator and, uh, of the creation, um, been there, but like, was that the first instance of it or was it something that had, had already kind of taken root in maybe other, um, uh, other areas, other fields of interest? Yeah, Naughty Dog actually, uh, with the Jack and Daxter series, they had a mechanic where you would collect these orbs, and as you collect these orbs, you unlock uh, in the in the game menu different, uh, what do you call it, concept art and interviews, and I was like, whoa, like, I mean, I'd always been interested in the behind the scenes of creating things since I was a kid, and but that's only ever been specifically for movies. That's what got me into movie making was uh, seeing TV shows that talked about how movies got made, and I'd never been introduced to anything that talked about how games were made. So as I was unlocking these uh, Naughty Dog features in the Jack and Daxter games, like I was, that's kind of what probably also brought helped push me into games was seeing that there's actually this whole process behind it that um, I could relate to because I mean they're showing this art, and I grew up like drawing a lot, and so it's just like kind of, I mean it didn't make me think about seriously like oh I want to make games, but it's kind of like the back in your head kind of thing of like you know like that's kind of a fun fantasy to think about about drawing and it being part of making games and so yeah that'd stuff. be it's like yeah that'd be that'd be a cool thing to do just uh, just kind of have a hand in that yeah. um i mean it'd probably take a lot of work so it's uh, way easier to just like think about it <laughs> than to actually get out there and like dedicate the, your life to it but um that's that's cool yeah I'd, like i'm a i'm a sucker for that kind of behind the scenes concept art content um and and I came late to the game in Jack and Daxter. I didn't play it until like the PS3 collection. But I like I know some of the segments that you're talking about, having collected the precursor orbs in that, and and uh, and 
watch the same kinds of like interview videos and and look at the drawings and stuff. So it's really cool that like that that you discovered that and and really kind of latched onto it as a as kind of a connection to um, one of your other passions of of like behind the scenes and filmmaking and whatnot. Um, awesome. Um, so so yeah, now we're kind of in the PlayStation ecosystem, the the PlayStation world, and and you're getting getting more um, you're getting your more adult um, story driven. Uh, content with things like uh, RPGs with Jack and Daxter to a, to an extent. I mean, that that seems like it would have been a nice little hybrid for you because there's a story to Jack and Daxter, but also like just platforming fun. Yeah, definitely. That probably helped bridge the gap into me realizing that there can be more to games than. And I mean, I feel bad. Like a lot of people did have these experiences way early. Like I didn't know Chrono Trigger. I mean, I had a SNES, but I never played Chrono Trigger and didn't know that all this time. I could have been playing, playing. I could have been playing games with like really deep stories and characters, but you know, sometimes you know, uh, game covers just are very misleading. Like in particular, the Eco um, has just this horrible cover art, and if it had just stuck to the Jap- original Japanese, I probably would have picked that up like a long time ago and like really gotten into that. Um, just as an example. Nice, yeah. Um, so, what are some kind of uh, other standout like? Um, so. Kingdom Hearts, obviously, we'll we'll get into in a little bit. Um, uh, but what, like, when when did you like? Did you did Kingdom Hearts just kind of right out the gate with the first one, kind of like catch your eye and you dove into it, or um, or were you already playing RPGs at that point? What was kind of your your trajectory there? Kingdom Hearts came a bit later. Um, the first game I feel that really got me seriously into RPGs was Dragon Quest VIII. Oh, okay. Um, I'm a big anime fan, and, and when I was seeing uh, the images of Dragon Quest VIII in uh, like the Game Informer, I'm like, why does everybody here look like a Dragon Ball character? So I just started reading up more on that and finding out, oh, like Akira Toriyama, like, see, there it is again, like a creator leading me to something new. Um, like, well, wow, I didn't know he had this involvement in this series, so I'm going to give it a shot. And it, I just, I think that was the kickoff of like, now I love turn-based RPGs and how wide and massive they can be in the side quests and grinding levels and it, that was probably the, the kickoff that uh, got me more serious about games and uh, looking for things with stories and character development and things like that. Nice. I've been, as somebody who's been going back through and playing uh, Dragon Quest Seven recently a lot, I've been putting a lot of hours into that on the 3DS uh, port that they made of that. Um, I can definitely relate to that. I remember like my early Dragon Quest experiences and, and really enjoying that grinding. Um, are you going to maybe pick up Dragon Quest Eight when it comes out uh, next year on 3DS? Um, probably. I would need to buy another 3DS. Oh. Um, because mine had been kind of gathering dust, so I sold it. Um. <laughs> That's, I mean, you, you, don't, uh, yeah, you certainly don't have been... to. It, it maybe it'll come to as a like as a no, PS2 to PS4 classic anyway. <laughs> yeah, um, a friend was really wanting to buy like the latest Pokemon, and I was like, well, my, I mean, my 3DS is kind of gathering dust right now. I'll sell it to you, and you know, you get something out of it, I get something out of it, and and I've been wanting to upgrade to the new 3DS XL anyway, so I was like, I'll use part of this money to like go towards that purchase. Ah, business sense, very savvy, excellent. Um, yeah, <laughs> cool. So yeah, so what? Uh, so from going from um, uh, Dragon Quest, how did you get into like where where did you go from Dragon Quest Eight? Uh, just trying out different other RPGs. I finally I, I would go 
I even though I'd missed some RPGs on the previous consoles, they were still kind of lying around, lying around the house. And then I'd try uh, Tales of Symphonia on GameCube, and that one, like, I just stayed up all hours like playing that. Uh, the other Tales games in general, like, I, that's what got me into those too. And uh, but that's uh, I started playing the Final Fantasies, but I've never I didn't get very far because even though like mechanically they're really similar, the graphics. I know that they're blowing people away with like, oh, how realistic they are, but I'm much more interested in like, uh, what's the, I don't know, if, uh, more cartoony style? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Tales and Symphonia. Yeah, like, like an art style. You know, Dragon Quest, something a bit more, yeah, something more anime inspired. Um, interesting. Or stylized. Yeah, it, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, it just, again, from my conversation last night, one of the people talking about Final Fantasy 7 VII and 8, they were talking about how like, one of their friends loved the anime look of of those games, and then when Final Fantasy IX came around, um, they they were very turned off by it because it didn't have like the the what they were looking for in that art style. So hearing that it wasn't anime enough for you uh, is just a fun little juxtaposition in uh, in in the conversations I've been having around Final Fantasy these days. Um, yeah, I can. I mean, it definitely had. Uh, it was. Uh, for the time, they certainly weren't like um, in the in the same kind of Dragon Ball Z um, uh, kind of range of things. So, totally makes sense that that you would get more drawn to um, to a Dragon Quest or a Tales than than yeah the more attempting to be as um, graphically like uh, connected to like our real world and and having you know, more realistic cars and motorcycles and stuff driving around um, in those games. It would make sense that, like, that might not be what you were looking for um, as a comparison. Cool. Um, so you mentioned you kind of got into Beyond, and that's when you started really kind of investing more into um, into kind of keeping an eye on, like, the industry and, and, and news and whatnot. What was, that, uh, what was that kind of transition like for you? Uh, I just like fell in love with the personalities. I don't even remember when I started listening to I when I started visiting IGN, but there must have been like a thumbnail or something that just uh, got me to click on like we're talking about this thing today. And so I, I mean, I know how I started getting into Beyond because I I I remember the very first episode I listened to was episode thirty five, and um, they ended the episode with a song, you know, because that was the thing they did. They would just sing and. It was just the silliest thing I'd ever heard. Like, it wasn't too serious. They're, they're talking about industry news, but they're also being just a bunch of goofballs. And it did remind me of, you know... Well, I mean, actually reminding isn't even the, really the word because it was what I was missing in that I had friends that played games, but none of them, like, took it that serious. And by now, in that point, I was starting to take things serious. And so I was like, oh, this is what I'm missing. I'm missing conversations about games, about, you know, the industry and things that I never even thought about. And so uh, I just started following all the other podcasts and because it is a chance to hear voices talk about something I care about. Whereas, you know, I do have friends, but they're in and we have common interests, but they just, none of them are ever gaming, really, or that seriously gaming. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit more of the kind of behind-the-scenes vibe of things. Like, they, you know, they know things about how the games are being made, or at least they, like, they cover the news that's, that's coming out about the games so they can kind of speak to it in that regard. So, yeah, it seems like a... a maybe a natural transition yeah. point or a, a natural kind of foot in the door for you um, in, the, in, in kind of 
exposing mm. yourself to to that kind of stuff. Um, so, where do we go from there? Um, do you, does that just kind of uh, hold you off until, and then you just eventually start going to some of these events and going to, like, um, like the the Beyond House Party thing that we uh, that we went to? Like, what were you doing? Let's let's get me from when you started listening to Beyond to when I would have met you. <laughs> Man, it's such a blur, and it's such actually a, a big gap, because like I said, that's episode 35, and at, it wasn't until way past episode 300 that I went to my first event. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, yeah, it was episode 400 was the house yeah. party, right? Yeah, so like, I mean, the whole time between that, it was just me just continually con- continuing to um, listen to these shows and then become more invested in these games that I'm playing because I hear about how, because before I was just kind of guessing based off cover art, you know, but now I have this new connection of like, oh, this is a thing that, you know, Ryan, uh, that, you know, Ryan is talking about or Greg is talking about. And um, I just, I guess I'm just like, uh, during that time, I'm not really getting involved. I'm a lurker. I'm not really writing into the show or anything like that, but I'm just uh, becoming a fan of these personalities and following the trajectory of their careers as they come and go and, you know, beyond, you know, just takes off and uh, uh, the what do you call it? They uh, Greg starts. They haven't launched kind of fun yet, but they're moving on to. They're they're starting to do this whole uh, game over Greggy YouTube show thing. Um, I'm getting lost in thought. That's the kind of the thing that I do by accident. I, I easily like lose my train of thought. That's good. Um, sidetracked so let me try to re- let so me try to like get my it's a, a to to, to um, put you at ease this is a conversational podcast <laughs> okay oh man that's a throwback, <laughs> throwback kids as to parents <laughs> um but i mean and so that so fo- so following this community i guess what like inspired me to i mean i guess i mean the question was like what have I been doing that that time that leading from my first introduction to the time I met you? Like it's just that was basically it. Was I mean I guess there's not much to say about it other than I was like a lurker. I guess like I was a fan, but I didn't really know of ways to become more involved. Um, the first hint of that would was uh, pot was uh, beyond 300 when they invited everybody over. But by then, like even though I'm having a job and stuff, I didn't think it realistic to fly out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and go be a part of the the physical community. Yeah, was was the um, was the Beyond Four Hundred was that kind of your first video in, in like video um, in terms of like recap video that you you done? Was that the that was the first event and first video in that regard? Or had you done uh, other? No, like I mean, yeah. yes and no. Because I because I, I know that that certainly um, wasn't the first uh, Pixel Brave video. You were because you Pixel Brave. You were doing Pixel like conversations right that's the, your your earlier videos are, are that kind of stuff where you were animating in in pixel art yeah i was doing movie reviews in pixel art and um oh, i'm gonna burp real quick okay uh, excuse me <laughs> um edit that out no no that's staying in we'll see your burp but, um, is staying in <laughs> <laughs> okay so um uh so my first taste of like doing IGN related videos was I'm trying to remember actually why I was in California but something took me out there for why was I out there 
I was in California, as I try to remember why I was out there, I was in Calif- I was in San Francisco for a weekend, and I happened to email um, Ryan. Um, I, I, I feel really embarrassed that I listen to his show all the time, but as we're talking, why can't I remember Ryan Clements? Clements. Clements. I, I was, okay, was going to say, it's either Clements or McCaffrey. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I on a whim, I just emailed Ryan and just said, hey, I'm a big fan of Beyond and everything you do. You're my favorite editor. And, uh, you know, can I can I buy you a drink or something while I'm down there um, for this reason that I still can't remember why I'm in San Francisco all the way from Austin. And uh, and he says, yeah, sure, why not? Um, uh, stay in touch and I'll let you know what I'm doing this weekend. And he reaches out again and says, oh, like we're having a uh, one of our employees is like, having a going away party because they're they're moving to another uh, company or something so yeah i'll be there and you're more than welcome to stop by the bar and like so yeah i took i had my camera with me by then and so i i went and did a little recap of this going away party and greg was there tyroot was there um i still hadn't known all the faces to names uh brian miggles was there and, but he just said, hi, my name's Brian. And I was like, oh, Altano? And he's like, no, not Altano. I'm uh, Brian Miggles. I'm the other Brian. And, <laughs> and so I'm still, I'm learning to put faces the name. Fran is there. And just, I'm kind of, and people thought I kind of worked for them. They're like, oh, you, well, you're here with us and you have a camera. Like, uh, what part, department are you in? I'm not familiar with you. And I was just like, no, I'm just visiting. They were nice enough to invite me. And yeah, I just did a highlight reel of that whole thing and uh, posted that. But not only that, but Fran also, as I ran into him, he said, hey, have you seen The Office yet? Because you know, I'm just making my way around and doing small talk. And, and I'm like, no, like, you guys only do that on First Fridays, and tomorrow's not a First Friday. And he's like, well, I don't care. Come by and see it. And, uh, you know, you're, you're here all the way from Texas. you got to come see it. So I was like, okay, by the way, um, you've had a few drinks. Do you mind making a small message on my camera confirming that I'm allowed to come see you guys tomorrow? <laughs> And that way I can show it to the front desk. And he's like, okay, yeah. And so I point to Cameron. He's like, so Patty or whatever her name is, like, this is Christian. Let him in. He's going to come check out the office. And so, yeah, the very next day, only hours before my flight, I, I am shown around and uh, met many faces that I didn't realize I would be fans of until much later. I met, not knowing who they were, I met Ryan Scott. I met Scott Bromley and Anthony Gallegos all in that one trip, not knowing who they were or what they did until... I, my flight back and then realized oh these guys are part of a show called the comedy but no well, the briefings excuse me because it wasn't comedy button yet but in that trip there to the office i did a recap and people were liking the videos that these two videos the first the party and second the the quick ign tour that i had and i think that was the first taste of like you know what i i i wish i could do more of this but i don't know well who knows when more opportunities will come by and i think that feeling just quickly came back again when um as i'm still a part of the community still a fan but not doing videos when i see um the opportunity to go to the house party i'm like oh this is my chance to go kind of do that again like part two go back and now that i know a bit more about filming and editing i can put out even better video because uh i have this weird mindset of like if i don't like the way someone else does a thing i mean this is kind of like arrogant of me (laughs) but like then I'm like I gotta do it because like and it's not necessarily because I'm better but it's because I feel like I owed it to other people and so I might get in trouble for saying this um because I know how much you know care and work people put into the things they do but during the first kind of funny uh 
KFL Live too, or okay, um, kind of first kind of funny live. You know, they did the fan submitted montage. You know, where they they had to set up their own cameras and they were also taking submissions for uh, people if they had cell phones. And I was like, oh, that's such a cool idea. I can't go to kind of funny live one, so um, I'm gonna glad that I'm gonna watch that. And even though it was cool to watch, I was just like the producer in me was like kind of cringing at like uh, these angles and whatnot. And so. Uh, I knew I was like I gotta I got this is my this is why I can't stand by anymore I gotta start doing videos at these events because no one else is gonna do them or they're not gonna do them the way I wanna do it as arrogant as that of a thought is to have and so um, I, when the house party came around I'm like that's gonna be dope that's gonna be such a cool thing you know Unlocked I'm, I became a really big fan of, of Unlocked even though I've never owned an Xbox and Beyond is there and everyone's gonna be there so I gotta go and I gotta go make these videos and especially because I've been in that shoe of only having the screen to experience this event, and I was, it's, like I said, it's, I feel in trouble saying it, but like, I didn't, that, that video wasn't what I kind of wanted, and so I'm sure there are other people that, out there that feel that way, so I, I'm gonna do my best to provide something that they would kind of want. And that ended up kind of like happening. Like people really liked the video that I put out. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm totally gonna because uh, Wes Bray, I believe, was the one who put the kind of funny, uh, the first kind of funny live like fan submission video together. He's I think one of them. So I'm totally gonna mm-hmm. like he's one of the uh, Facebook admins. So I'm gonna totally hop into the the Facebook oh. chat after this, and he'll have, he'll just be waking up because he's in <laughs> he's in uh, the UK. So I'm gonna totally tell him that you're calling him out as as that video that sucked. <laughs> 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 I mean, probably lots of people think, like, as many people as, I, I mean, even though some people vocally like mine, I'm sure there's people that also think, like, well, it should be longer, it should have more of this or that, so, I mean. Did you see the, uh. was just a thing we all kind of take advantage yeah, of. Yeah, did you see the, uh, the unedited version of that? Because they definitely, like, cut it down to the three minute or whatever version that they, uh, that they put together, but they did take, like, everybody's submissions and kind of just parse them all together because it was like they were like yeah just give us like 30 seconds and then people did not abide by 30 seconds um so there is a long like an extended cut of that video uh somewhere out there i don't even know where at this point but um but yeah that was a uh that was a fun thing and then i i got annoyed by that video because um in in the secret group that that was created to like collect all those submissions so nobody knew so the guys didn't know about it they were like you know only do this if you're not going to be there um because uh you know we like if you're going to be there you're going to get to see them you're going to get to tell them how great they are um so don't like don't participate in this if you're already going to be there and there were so many people that totally double dipped and were in that video and sitting right next to me and i was like what the hell guys what the hell (laughs) cameron cameron (laughs) abbott calling you out buddy you were one of them i know i know you were my roommate there (laughs) i was like what is he doing up on the screen um well, that's awesome. So yeah, and I'm 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 super glad that like you, that that's that's an awesome like intro to IGN, like getting to see the tour and 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 meet everybody just at out at a bar one night. That's that's a great story and getting to like meet all of the comedy button people before you like recognize they were the comedy button people. Um, yeah, that's like that's like I mean I know this is like the gaming history, but that's that's close enough that's gaming adjacent so that's uh that's really cool and and i'm super glad that that uh that you made the jump to do that and go get out there to uh to the house party and do that video which then like i was like oh that's really cool and then come again to psx that year 
um, and and do the same. Do uh, do and just keep doing it whenever it's 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 always a joy like getting to see you and and have, like you you the this thing I'm I'm saddest about is that you're not in the videos more that you don't you don't get you don't get a little <laughs> bit of yourself in there as much like it, it's a it's like a hint every now and then but but you're like one of the uns, unsung heroes in the communities uh, by putting those videos out there and and so so many people like don't even know who you are and it's it's i'm like oh it's like i i wish you had a little bit more recognition but i get that you're like a behind the scenes kind of you are you are the the producer the director as as you're kind of talking about it so it makes sense you're not you're not the star you don't need to be the the face of the video <laughs> uh um, no i feel like i've gotten i feel like i've got all the like in in camera stuff out of my system in high school because i was making like we'll probably touch on this in the filmmaking side but just a taste of what's become like you know we didn't have actors so we just had to take turns being in front of the camera and i just cringed at like my own voice and the things that i said and the things that i acted so you know that just carried on and uh i just after high school i'm like well nope never never again i'm just gonna stay behind because this is where i'm safe and i have full control you know if i could remotely control something filming me then i totally would but because i know that footage of me is probably someone else's hands on the controls i'm gonna be constantly like self-conscious of that like are they framing me okay? Is the white balance okay? Like, did that mean focus? So, like, I just rather stay behind. <laughs> well, now I just kind of want to have like a drone flying over us at like PSX uh, in, a, in a few weeks <laughs> and just kind of like hovering over, recording our uh, our conversations and our interactions and stuff. So I can I can edit it together and be like, yeah, deal with it, deal with it, Christian. What are you gonna do? <laughs> And and I've got crappy yeah. editing skills, Love so so you're gonna be you're gonna really <laughs> you're gonna really cringe at whatever I put out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's awesome i'm oh, like I'm, I'm but your heart is gonna your your heart will be in it though so that'll make it work yeah it. uh I'm, I'm super glad that like that you found a way to kind of blend those two uh those two passions in that in that regard find like taking that that love of the gaming and leading you into these personalities and then getting to spend the time with the personalities and then getting to do these videos with and for the personalities to a to a certain extent and the community surrounding um, those events and the personalities and all that stuff, kind of blending your your love of that with your love of filmmaking, which yeah, we'll we'll get into um, in a in a little bit. Um, it's a it seems like a, a like a just a solid blend for um, a lot of the things that kind of you love all in one place. Yeah, it's really fulfilling, and I don't do it exclusively for the kind of funny guys or the IGN community. It's just a thing I found. Like my first time trying it was, I mean, with. IGN, but now that I knew that I liked it, I did it all the time um, here locally in Austin. Like, if there's a really small game convention, or like, I went to PAX South the first year that it was there, but I didn't meet any IGN or kind of funny people. I just was doing recaps of those things just because they were fun, not because Greg was there or anyone else uh, noteworthy was there. It's just this thing that I liked doing because it captures, it uses a thing I love such as filmmaking to capture another thing that I love, which is, uh, you know, gaming communities. Yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, yes, come come the second year of PAX South, that's when the celebrities showed up, like <laughs> Trevor from TrevorDrove.com. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, that's I, that's when I I feel like that's when I met you, right? Like more formally, like we weren't just passing each other. That's when I... um, P PSX was the was the the first one really. Like um, I, I remember, like you sitting across and doing kind of filming and and uh, and being in that kind of group where we went to like Twenty First Amendment and then we went to 
um, uh, we went back to like the hotel and we're just kind of you know what? That's and, right. That's right. And, like okay. walking out. Like there's there's Every, in that yeah. video there's like that's me right. being like very that's... visual and and like that's the opening shot. I'm like oh yay I'm neat I'm a I'm a celebrity in Pixel Brave videos now. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that yeah, that was the first one. Up, uh, your card from you. Oh yeah, hey, there's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you gave me your card, and and I was like, oh, this is so cool. He does pixel art, and he's a cool guy, and like, yeah, like everything just kind of blurs as I remember it because like they all feel very, you know, when you see the same faces, and, and it's all gaming, like yeah, sometimes you forget like when it happened because it just it, it hit one right after the other, PSX and PAX. Yeah, up. oh definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, awesome, and and I like. One of my favorite things uh, about um, your videos is that they're like they're just great to go back to, and and I will like I'll every every few weeks I'll just go back and watch those recap videos and remember the conversations that we had or remember um, kind of being around those people and like that's so that's extra special for me because I was there, but I, I do love that like even if people weren't there, they do get to kind of live vicariously through us a little bit um, in in what what you kind of put out there and and uh and and left for left for us and left for the future of us so thank you like for for doing that um and uh and yeah that's a uh, that's great any any last uh moments that you kind of want to touch on in like the gaming history of christian um before we dive into your favorite game um i mean i can use that to kind of segue into like my favorite game in that eventually uh as we mentioned like i have a particular taste for like cartoony art style and so you know the art style of kingdom hearts uh was something that eventually grabbed me i'd always seen it but never picked it up but as more and more people started talking about it at school and like bringing their walkthroughs and i get to see the arts as they flip through it i'm like i gotta play this game because it just looks really beautiful and i just kind of marathoned my way through it playing the first one and then I, I, I think my sister had a Game Boy SP, and so I played Chain of Memories and then played Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, that was, Kingdom Hearts 2, the art style, that was what kind of got me into running to re revisit the first one, was that was the walkthrough that people were carrying around in school with them, was the Kingdom Hearts 2 guide. And I became, like, a, that's my number one franchise, and which, like, so I, I, I buy consoles for, to play the latest entry, which brings us to... Like yeah, my I mean I don't know if you want to do the segue. Uh, with that. All right, yeah, let's get top, my favorite game. <laughs> topic number two. There we go. <laughs> topic two, Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep. Go, Christian, because I've I it like I uh, yeah. this is, I'm always I'm always a little like you when you and 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 or Alex or anybody that really gets down in the the Kingdom Hearts rabbit hole. I'm like well, I played like the first and the second ones, and then I played a little bit of Chain of Memories. Um, and that was about it. That's that's all I know. So, birth by sleep. I like. I look forward to kind of hearing um, what what about it is so amazing and and uh, and what I'm missing out on by having not played it. So yeah, take it away. All right. So like the Kingdom Hearts franchise in general is like a very expansive and you know over overly complicated kind of story that keeps rewinding itself and turning itself and. Um, I mean, that's cool in and of itself, but uh, with a very melancholy overtone to it, which I've, I've always grown up liking melodrama and stuff like that. And uh, that's been a, a thing that always brings me back to the series, but Birth by Sleep of all the entries, I think is the most tragic um, and depressing. And I don't mean to sound all emo here or anything like that, but it just is the most heart-wrenching 
Um, like, I, 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 like, I'm not ashamed to say this. Okay, a little bit ashamed. But, like, I cry at the end of every Kingdom Hearts game because they usually have pretty sad endings. Even if, like, they do save the world, they save the day, there's something that is still left undone. And of all the games, Birth by Sleep is the one that hits you the most because you are introduced to three characters and, um, so you get triple the tragedy, triple the sadness in that game. And, uh, that just really played to my sensibilities as someone that loves uh i mean I, we're, it sounds weird to say it out loud like 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 sad stories like that's just the kind of thing that i was uh attracted to you know and it's not like out of some weird i don't know no it's it I, just, I, it's uh, i don't i don't think it's i don't i like i like, like feeling yeah i think i think like tragedy is is absolutely a, a worthwhile like um thing to be a fan of like you are getting emotional resonance in it you're getting like you're getting some kind of catharsis um, in, like, getting by by like whatever they're going through. You're not having to go through it, so you are getting um, uh, a little bit of of like uh, vicarious. Like it's it's in how bad their life is, you you end up might maybe uh, 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 kind of appreciating your own a little bit more, even if it's like on a super subconscious level. Uh, that's so. That's one of the reasons I love like yeah dramatic theater is because I I know that at least I didn't have to go through that experience and now I've I've lived it in this in the briefest of moments. Mm-hmm. I think and I see that I think maybe the angle now that I'm like reflecting and that's what like my after the credits show is about is me like sitting back and trying to realize like wait why did I feel that way and as we're talking about it, I'm starting to think maybe i always did have this kind of mindset that like if i did watch some like a, a sad movie or play a sad game the like i guess the biggest analogy like i can make is that um like someone that works out a lot and they feel that soreness the next day like it's a reminder of their hard work and maybe this isn't the perfect analogy but like when i experience a game or a story the more <laughs> the more sad i am it means the more capacity for emotion i have and that's just always been something I kind of pride myself on. I'm just like someone that can be there for my family, be there for my friends, be there for strangers. I love being there for strangers. And so like, it's kind of a weird, like, it's a super weird reminder after I go through the story, like, and I feel that inside. I'm like, oh, wait, this hurts. Oh, wait, but you know why? Because I care. And that's good to care because it means I can be there for people and offer support I guess. absolutely it's like kind of, em, em, oh, an angle i might have can, looked at it. we can never have too too much empathy in this world uh, especially in these in these days that we're we're now living through um post post election and, and whatnot so yeah I, i'm i'm all for mm. i'm all in support of an empathetic um kind of resonance that you're you're getting out of the, these experiences so yeah uh con- continue on with with the the magic of birth by sleep and and it's all of its tragedy and and heartbreak so like that's just one layer to it is that it had a very tragic story but in general like i've always liked the hack and slash kind of action rpg mechanics of the games and they're always almost different you know uh with they they always add new twists to each entry um chain of memories um had like the card battle and uh two had like the the reaction commands of the triangle you know people i think before people even knew what memes were, they would be like, press triangle to win or whatever, to reaction commands. And Birth by Sleep, like, 
I don't even know how to describe it, but like it encourages using special moves so that you are always looking stylish as you're like saving the world. Um, because as you continue using the moves, that your moves level up just from purely using them. And so I'm not even to the boss of the first level yet. And I'm already doing these really flashy, really stylized moves, which uh, I mean, I hear other games do that too. I hear Devil May Cry is like a really stylized game. So that's on my grocery list of backlog games to play. But uh, just, you know, having this emotional story with a game mechanic that makes you feel like, you know, on top of the world, it's just, uh, that was really fun to play. And uh, the other, oh, and uh, another gameplay mechanic was that it would have this like, uh, between worlds, it introduces like this Mario Party-esque form of leveling up. Yeah, you're leveling up as you fight bad guys and you know you, you're grinding for experience but also but you know between missions it opens up this like it's almost like monopoly and who doesn't love monopoly so it's like this game as i'm as it's unfolding just keeps introducing cool things about it I, oh cool these characters are really awesome and it's expanding the lore oh i'm not even to the first boss yet and i'm doing these awesome finishers and now that i have to beat the first boss now i get to level up even more by playing monopoly but with kingdom hearts skin and like it just keeps giving me more things to love about it. Um, and I mean, I don't know how much more to say about it because like, but if you have any questions, uh, well, yeah, like, so, so I feel like that kind of sums up in the, uh, in the, in the scheme of the kingdom hearts franchise, what, like, what is it about this one that kind of makes it above and beyond, um, some of the other titles? What, like, why is this one, the one that you, that resonates the most? Is it cause it's like, it's not, uh, characters that you it was it was a new batch of characters that you hadn't kind of experienced yet or like what what kind of drives this one to the top of the list um and it's funny i'm glad that you mentioned that because that's like i i now i remember another thing i was going to say was yeah that um sora the kid sora is who you're mostly following through these adventures and um he's a cool character and all i like him but uh, the introduction of the new character, Aqua, was a character that I ended up uh, relating to even more than Sora. Sora is someone who has like the mantra of, like, my friends are my power. He meets people, and those memories give him courage and bravery to face, you know, the, you know, the different adversaries. But this new character, Aqua being the oldest of the three characters they they're they're you know they're not related but they have a very familial relation you know um, it's her and two other uh keyblade wielders and they they look at each other like brothers and sisters and uh her being the oldest she feels the most responsible for them and whereas sora is more of like these people are my power she wants to be the support for them um at the very beginning of the game they're all split up and go on their own adventures and the whole time she's worrying about them and like she always has it on her mind that she needs to be their support and that just resonated with me because that's kind of how I always grew up I'm an older brother I always want to take care of my brother um, I was kind of like always a support system of my friends I would be the person that they would ask for advice with girls or whatever or guys and and that was uh, which is a character I just found myself feeling really uh, relatable to. Um, and so that is another reason why. Um. Awesome. Um, what, uh, it, like, what are your, 
in the in the Kingdom Hearts series as a whole, kind of. I remember when, um, as a as a, like a lifelong fan of of SquareSoft and Disney, like when they were like, we're we're putting together Final Fantasy and Disney characters in this new adventure. I remember that blowing my mind. Um, it sounds like you didn't have necessarily as much of a connection to Final Fantasy. Um, so I'm curious, kind of what, like, was this RPG with Disney characters kind of a hook for you getting into it, um, or or was it just kind of a oh that's that's a weird that's a weird oddity, but I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this anyway. Um, it was a little weird, like, but it I didn't get so hung up on that because I was just so excited to dive in uh, that I didn't I didn't really think to stop about like how would these work together. Um, I just would see how Donald or Sephiroth or anyone was portrayed in these in these books that people were carrying around and I was I didn't even want to stop and think about well, how does this even work why are characters from Final Fantasy 12 hanging out with 10 around and just anyone that's listening that is saying Christian there's no one in 12 yes I know it just was the first number that came out of my head. <laughs> but um I don't like to be corrected on Kingdom Hearts stuff. Uh, like, <laughs> um, have, have we really not so... gotten like Van and Pinello in there yet, or or Fran, or some? Has that have they not no. made their their Final Fantasy uh, or their their Kingdom Hearts debuts? Huh. No, well, get no, get no, on no, that yeah. Square Enix. Maybe maybe the next one. Yeah, we'll, we'll, exactly, uh, I'm, exactly. I'm sure we'll get like lightning um, in there at least. <laughs> who? A lightning from thirteen. I'm sure. I'm sure she'll show up. Oh. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure. I mean, that needs to happen. Um, but anyways, uh, what was I saying? Um, no, so I mean, that wasn't very jarring. If anything, just seeing how well they executed the art style like was just uh, an added bonus, like you know, an extra draw to to get invested in the game. Okay. Um, does the uh, since since my my kind of experience is limited largely to um, one and two and in the little bit of chain of memories the reason i didn't like really stick with chain of memories was because it was like uh, like you said earlier of, of like they they've you know reset and gone back in the timeline and stuff and chain of memories definitely rem i remember feeling like oh they like they just forgot everything so they're replaying basically the events of the first game but in this now new card thing and I, i'm sure it changes kind of later in, as you go but it was i was like i i've already played this game and I don't need to play this experience again, um, but I like I enjoy going in and like playing in the Disney worlds and and like playing through the movie stories. Um, at, like and I remember be, because I have that connection to the pre-existing Disney stories. I remember that those experiences far more than I remember the like overly com complicated Square Enixy plot to the whole thing. Um, so I'm curious as kind of what you're like. Um, uh, in in that regard, is there are, like are you just so invested in the lore of Kingdom Hearts that Disney is kind of now an afterthought um, to it? It sounds like as someone who's maybe played through all of them um, that I, I feel like that tends to be more of the the norm. If like the more you experience it, the more you really like dive in and become super um, aware of like how things connect to uh, to everything else. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of a casual Disney fan. Like, I kind of dug Lion King, but I wasn't very familiar with, like, a lot of the franchises that most people are. So, if anything, this was, like, my introduction to Disney or learning to appreciate the storylines. Because, as you said, their involvement in the story is usually rehashing the 
um, the movies that they're based off of, but in a way that like kind of allows them to exist in the cinematic world. So um, I don't know if I'm answering the question really, but just I'm. I mean, I can't say that Kingdom Hearts is what gave me an appreciation and made me want to go revisit those movies. And right. See how so, so, so out. it sounds like you are much more invested in the the Kingdom Heartsness of it than the Disneyness of it, um, which is that's so that's that's kind of where I'm like I'm because I'm not connected to um, to Ansem and Xehanort and and like I like I I remember the names but I don't remember like what what they were going through and what they were like what their goals were and everything mm-hmm. um, and part of it's because I haven't played them in in ten years or or however long <laughs> but um, uh, but it sounds like so so I latch on to like oh yeah those are the games I got to like play through Disney movies in or whatever um, but it sounds like you're much more you are much more invested in um, Aqua and Terra and you know Roxas and and all of the the characters uh, that are the kind of the original um, new characters in these series as opposed to the ones that are being plucked from other IPs elsewhere is that a fair assessment yeah because I yeah because I hadn't been such a big Disney fan or even even though I died I kind of like diving into a few Final Fantasies because I by that time I had still never finished one to completion um like it was kind of like I'm enjoying this original story and it's kind of like second thought that we have characters from Final Fantasy and Disney like I am recognizing the faces but I'm more interested in the themes that this game is bringing up um because it's all it's all like very uh, uh personification of feelings and that's something I've always liked you know it's like oh you're literally fighting darkness you're literally wielding light and so I was just much more attracted to the lore that this thing was coming up with and not so much the uh, introduction of like familiar IP or anything like that makes sense um so uh this did you so this being like a PSP game is that when you originally played it or did you play it on like one of the later remixes that as they came out Oh no! Like I said, like I I had to get consoles to play a game okay. that was coming out uh, so much so that um, so I had a PSP early uh, pretty early on in like high school. Um, not because Breath of the Wild was coming out, because I got it way before that. I just had a PSP, and um, I found out that it was coming out in Japan sooner than US. And so I was like, how can I get it sooner? And I was like, I bet if I buy a PSP Go they'll put it on the store and I can download it from the Japanese site and play it that way but that ended up not being a thing they didn't put it online so I just uh, I imported it that was one of the first games I ever imported and so uh, I owned the game like three times I owned the Japanese PSP version then they came out with um, the US version but I didn't even buy the US version because the US version just came by itself but I found out that there's a European version or I guess it was technically a French version that I could import that comes with like a box set and like an, a little art book and stuff that would still have an English track even though it's technically for the French audience or German audience, one of the two. And uh, uh, so no, I didn't buy a PSP for um, that, but I mean, I but PSP was the first time that I played that game because I had to play it as soon as possible. So much so that I played the Japanese version before the English version. Nice. Did you, is, is that, are you the kind of person that like when they were when they started doing the 1.5 remix and the 2.5 remix on like PlayStation 3 did you start like picking those up and going back through the games or or um are you are you you've moved on to other things at this point um or did did you revisit them 
I revisited um, part of them. Like I, I, re- I replayed Kingdom Hearts one in HD again, but I'm not a big fan of the voiceover choices in the English version of Birth by Sleep. So like, I, so I played it again on PSP in English, but like to get through those voices again in HD, like yeah, the graphics are a lot better, but like oh, I just can't get past these voices. And now, now I'm kind of warmed up to them. I think, I mean, I don't. So when movies aren't filmed chronologically. And I don't know if voiceovers are done chronologically, but I'm guessing that in this case they were because at the beginning of the game, everybody sounds very stiff. But by the end of the game, uh, you know, everyone sounds much more uh, confident. But I wasn't willing, even though it's an HD, I was like, I'm not going to, even though I'm, I'm proud to say that I own it three times, I'm not sure if anyone cares that I played through it a third time. Uh, so I'm just glad to have it and support the company, you know, and com- support the IP, you know, uh. with my money. But... Um, it's just gonna sit proudly, and I'll keep playing the first ones, you know, in HD. Then. So, uh, so when the PS4 1.5 and 2.5 remix comes out in March, you're probably not gonna be picking that up. You'll probably just hold out until Kingdom Hearts 3 hits. Um, actually, I'll probably pick up like the Japanese version of the for, of the PS4 version. Okay. And play that. All right. Uh, you know, especially since I know I can do it. Uh, you know. So. Nice. Um, and. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, like, that was actually the second time that I played. Uh, the reason why I had the confidence to import that was because uh, when 358 came out on the DS, I was in Japan at the time and was like, um, I've taken, like, two semesters Japanese, but I don't know how well I could actually play a game. But I'm in Japan, so that would, cost, that would cut costs on shipping if I just buy it here. And so I bought it and was able to successfully play through the whole game, so... When Birth by Sleep was coming out, I was like, without hesitation, I'm going to import the Japanese version because I know that I can make it through the game um, with as minimal Japanese as I know. I'll, 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 I can probably finish it. Nice. That's I, I know. Uh, like Andrew Goldfarb just was uh, just played through all of Persona Five in Japanese and beat the game. Hasn't I don't think he has any idea what like was really going on because he doesn't speak the language, um, but he was able to beat the game without uh, with with that uh, in mind. So. Um, very cool. Uh, it's, it's like, um, your, your passion and excitement for it definitely has me much more inclined to try and dive into it. So I might pick it up when it comes out on the, on the PS4 version. Um, cause I did get, like, I got the 1.5 version on the PS3. Um, and I started to go back into like the first kingdom hearts and stuff. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just, it was like near, right near the end of the PS3, or and I already had my PS4, so I just didn't like really stick with it and and uh, and and keep it up. But it's it's definitely a series that I I have a fondness for, even if I don't have like a deep deep connection to and deep love of, because um, I'm I'm one of those that just I looked at like things that were coming out like 358 over two days or whatever, like the the names. I was just like, <laughs> I don't know what any of these mean anymore. They're just trying to mess with us now, right? That's 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 got to be what's happening. Just whatever whatever I, Square Enix is doing, n- nomenclature wise. I gotta look up the interview, but I I'm like ninety nine percent sure that I did read an interview with Nomura saying when they asked him where do you come up with the name Birth by Sleep, and I think he said, I just put the words together and they sounded really cool. And so I kind of came up with a story that would fit the title. I think that's what he said. I'm sure. <laughs> that's, um, that's excellent. <laughs> um, and then I did, uh, um, on your... The only other thing... Oh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, the only thing I was going to say was that of the 
like because Birth by Sleep is a prequel, it takes ta- it takes place ten years before the events of Kingdom Hearts one. It's pretty standalone, and so that's one I usually if someone's never played Kingdom Hearts one, yeah, you, you get more out of it if you play the other ones first. Um, but I think similar to like other prequels in other literature, um, there you can there's a certain level of accessibility in that um, it starts at a certain point that is welcome newcomers you know excellent uh well thank you so much um any so yeah i think i think it's uh i think it'll be a fun one to maybe dive back into and yeah like i i even like the keyblade wars and all that like all that lore like i remember knowing it a little bit at the time of playing those games and and like going out and doing a whole bunch of research and and trying to kind of look that stuff up um and and watch like videos fan theory videos and stuff but then it just they kept coming and I and I just kept falling behind and not playing any of them. So I was like, "There's there's way there's a way bigger world here that I that I do not know." Um, and so even, yeah, even like when you when you said uh, that you wanted to talk about Birth by Sleep, I was like, "Okay, well I know that's a Kingdom Hearts, but I don't have any idea what that one is about." So I was I I was doing a little bit of research kind of right uh, before we started recording to to kind of look it up and and figure out like where it fell in the series, where it fell in the chronology. So I did know that it was like a little prequel. Um, version and I love uh, in in reading it. It was like so yeah. There aren't a lot of other Final Fantasy characters in this one. The only ones in there are Moogle and Zack from Crisis Core because that was the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy prequel. And I was like, oh, that's like that's a neat little yeah. kind of parallel that they that they put in that. So very cool. Uh, well, thank you for for running us through uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep and uh, and yeah, I'll definitely oh, yeah. I'll definitely try and check it out. Um, Great. So, uh, topic three, we'll dive into now. Uh, filmmaking, as we talked to uh, talked a little bit about, uh, you, that's kind of you're you're known in the community for your your video work. Um, so, what got you into filmmaking? What what kind of uh, what? Let's go through. We did gaming history earlier. Let's go through filmmaking history uh, of Christian. Yeah, like I always say that um, I've wanted to be involved in filmmaking. Um, like this ever since my childhood and the the initial spark for that was that like many people my age or whatever like Jurassic Park was like a really big like fa- first favorite movie for a lot of people and you just never question it you see these dinosaurs and it's just like well of course yeah I don't know how they did that but that is just of course I'm just not going to question it but um if I keep looking to the side it's because I'm just making sure my mom like it's still recording but um anyways uh I, I guess in the 90s, like, a really big thing on TV was, like, showing the behind-the-scenes of movies, and I just remember, like, just walking past the living room, and they're showing a scene from Jurassic Park, and then they pause it, and then they remove, they remove the T-Rex. They just take him out of there and play the rest of the scene without him in there, and, like, things are moving as if he's crashing, but you don't see it. And I'm like, whoa, wait, like, you... That's right. Like, it's kind of like... It's like, it's always been in front of me, but I never really think about it, like, people make these things happen you know books don't just exist people write them cartoons just just exist people draw them and movies don't just exist like they're made like they're filmed and just i just was just so blown away at like how like that the thought of that a person made this dinosaur happen and uh so or initially like even at a young age i don't know how old i was when Jurassic park came out but whatever age that was i was like i want to be involved in this and initially it was more specifically special effects i want to do that i want to be able i want to make the dinosaurs in the movies i want to make you know the 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 cgi 
Um, as I started looking into that, though, and uh, my parents were really encouraging of that. And one one year, my dad even took me to South by Southwest before it was such a big festival when it was more of a uh, of an event for uh, I guess digital media and people like involved in technology like. I was attending these seminars and like realizing, oh wow, there's a lot of art. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, excuse me, there's a lot of math involved in computer graphics and I hate math, so yeah. I still love movies and I still want to be a part of making movies, but I'm probably going to marinate on this and just have it in the back of my head and not think about it too seriously. Um, I mean, fast forward, like, and, you know, throughout the years, you know, I, I look at behind the scenes and stuff and that's kind of the part that I regret. I mean, there, I don't even know if regret's the word, but like, when you hear the stories about your favorite filmmakers, they talk about like, oh yeah, like I was making movies in the backyard as a kid, and I, I mean, that kind of sucks that I was so frightened at the math and the complexity involved in that that I just uh, let it be like a thing that I would say like, yes, I want to be a filmmaker, but I didn't like work towards it until I was much older and realized how I could actually take action. You know, I think it's uh, similar to someone that says like. Uh, they want to be an astronaut, you know, and so they just kind of say, well, that's something that I'll start taking seriously once I'm older and out of high school, then that's when I can start applying to aerospace colleges and stuff, but they don't start trying to fly from their back, you know, from their backyard as a kid, you know, it's something that they know that they have saved for later, and that's kind of how I treated filmmaking, feels like, it's a thing, I'm just gonna enjoy high school, enjoy middle school, whatever, and once I'm older, that was just the mindset, that's when I'll take it seriously, um, but then in high school, someone introduced me to Robert Rodriguez. Not physically introduced me, not literally, but like they were just talking and I walked into the conversation, they were talking about this movie came out and someone wasn't able to make a movie and make a name for himself for a very cheap. And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, yeah, this guy named Robert Rodriguez, he made his first feature film completely on his own with no money and just with the lint and nickel that he had in his pocket. And I was like, that's a thing you can do? like." don't you need like a big set and lots of money and computer graphics with all this math that I'm scared of? And it was just no. And that was kind of the realization that I don't have to wait. I can start working on this right away. And so since then I started uh, just really diving into the behind the scenes of not big budget movies, but smaller budget movies. I bought all of like, I, I bought Robert Rodriguez's book, which is actually a journal of how he problem solved his way through his first feature film like whenever something went wrong what would he use just around him to problem solve and that just uh, lit a fire in me and made me realize like I gotta start working on this now I gotta start doing things now um, that's kind of uh, where I'll pause and think or if you want to ask a question <laughs> yeah no, that's that's a that's like I I love the those kinds of behind the scenes stories um, as well. Uh, like I'm, I'm certainly not a. Uh, I I have never really gotten into behind the the filmmaking um, process myself. Outside of like I've gone and been like an extra on a couple things um, here and there over the years, and I'll I'll get like in the downtime while everybody's setting things up for a shot. I'll talk to um, to like the DP or the cinematographer or whoever's like working on on the shoot uh, and just kind of like pick their brain about like what why they're making the choices they're making because it's it's fascinating to me um but like i never took even while i was at um while i was doing school for theater um 
and like with the film classes going on like right across the hall I just didn't take any of the film classes because I was like eh I don't I don't that's it's it's not that's not what my focus is that's not where my um my passion is is lying um uh, but yeah like I I have I certainly have an adoration for it and I love kind of like we were talking earlier I love the the behind the scenes videos that's that's why I still buy blu-rays and dvds and stuff is because i want the special features where i can kind of see uh listen to like the commentary and listen to kind of them talking about making the thing um but then also see the featurettes that they that they throw into um to some of those uh those projects to to see stuff like yeah the like the the jurassic parks see what it was like on set with nobody there with like a uh you know tennis ball or something that's kind of serving as the eye line um and then see like all of the work that went into crafting um all the features one of my uh the, when you you talking about kind of that feature uh, immediately sparked in my head i remember one of my first kind of um like flirtations with it where where i was like oh that'd be a really cool thing to do was uh like we took a field trip to see an imax movie which was basically like behind the scenes um of of, certain, of of like big blockbuster movies and one of them was specifically um like the pyrotechnics teams behind independence day talking about like making the miniatures of the white house or the empire state building and um and so, like seeing all of the care and detail that went into making those little models just to blow them up and then seeing like <laughs> seeing it blown up just norm like it like on the green screen or whatever like from from afar and then like seeing what they did to make it look like it looks in the movie i was like that's cool i want to do that and then it didn't it, <laughs> it didn't it didn't take and it didn't last but it was like i like i still have that vivid memory of seeing of seeing kind of that behind the scenes and that being one of one of the first places where i had that same kind of realization like oh that's right like a lot of people make these things that's really cool and they're like that is somebody's job is to go make a model of of the white house and just explode it <laughs> on camera um so yeah it's, that's awesome yeah um so so have you um after like in in high school were you working on kind of projects with friends or it, like or like doing your, i mean you you said earlier in the in the episode you talked about kind of you didn't have actors to work with so you guys became the actors for your own film projects so what kind of stuff were you doing as you kind of started getting into it yeah, that came later, um, yeah, starting, I mean, the I kind of got introduced to the whole idea of, like, you can do this now, you can start, you know, getting a camera and doing things on your own, but um, I ended up just take for the first, like, freshman and sophomore year, it was more about research, uh, just diving into behind the scenes, and uh, not, uh, and, and just, like, really, like, um, sorry, I've got distracted by the recorder, um, kind of, I didn't really know the parts that made up a set or like that made up making a movie. And so it was kind of, cause like I said, I had, ho I had this mindset that that's a thing that I will start learning in college. I didn't realize I could start learning it now as early as high school. And so um, for the first two years, it was mostly just like reacquainting myself with like, oh, there's like different departments and different jobs. Um, but um, my first video production class wasn't until uh, junior year and I met uh, a friend of mine who we're still friends to this day 10 years later he was like even though I was a year older than him uh, he was my mentor because he at his old school had been doing short films and stuff and 
he would we just kind of clicked immediately and um, would start working on these school projects that technically they're like projects for English but we kind of bear or projects for history or English or whatever but we just barely had anything to do with the subject matter and we would just like write out these short treatments and spend a weekend uh, just breaking into construction sites and shooting uh, these short films and just asking favors from friends of friends like do you want to come help us out do you want to just stand with us like you don't have to act just for this costume and uh, that was like what got me started that's what uh, that friend um, Angela I'm just gonna say his name is Angelo he uh, that's he's he's what pushed me from the theory and learning about filmmaking and, uh, and the principles and how you can how it can be done to the point where I'm actually doing it and that's what I meant by like you know we had no we didn't have a lot of help so like there were a lot of times that um, I ended up being in front of the camera and just hated the way I sounded I mean like I can I can appreciate that um, it, it took a long time to be able to uh, listen to myself in like the the video recordings of the plays that I would do uh, that my mom would like record it took a long time before I was able to just like not cringe whenever she would put them on for like family functions and and hear myself going on about uh, being Theseus in A Midsummer Night's Dream or something and just not being like oh god I uh, why did I say it like that why did I what what was I doing what was I thinking <laughs> uh, it's that like it's it's that yeah. like self super self-awareness and self-consciousness that I think we all go through um, and then some people are unless you're like super egotistical and you like don't have that experience <laughs> at all um, and good for you for mm. skipping those steps um, but yeah it's it's I, it's it's certainly more of the norm than uh, than not like I, like do you uh, you listen to Pockets of Soup right? Pockets Full of Soup Jared Petty's um, podcast oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, I still have a, a lot of episodes I need to catch up on but I listen to some but yeah, but uh, so one of the like one of the questions he'll ask is kind of like a rapid fire question is like what do you what's the first word that comes to mind when you uh, when you think of the sound of your own voice and everybody's like the default reaction is just like Ugh, <laughs> blah, or something like that and and yeah. like nobody nobody <laughs> likes the sound of their own voice so and they've been you know talking to like talking on camera or talking to people for years some of them so uh, I I like don't feel like you're you're uh you're alone in that regard and that like there will be times where i'll still um uh, like i'll be listening back as i'm editing these episodes and just be like what like do i really sound like that okay i guess <laughs> that's fine whatever we're we'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get through yeah. if if other people are fine listening to it i guess i can be fine listening to it um so so you i hear you uh so you're you're doing it you're doing you're kind of having these fun projects in school and, and really getting the practical applications of it taking it from theory into um into actuality um and then uh so you did go to you did go to to college for um for filmmaking for film production as well is that what you uh what i heard yeah um before i get into that just talking a little bit more about like the high school oh yeah sure it was just such an exciting rock and roll like the, i just built such a momentum uh in those short two years like uh, just working on these projects because those, I mean, they were fun in general, but there was an extra added level of fun because everybody loved the videos except for the teachers. Because my friend, who I mean, we, we worked together a lot, but like he was the the creative driving force 
behind these plots uh, that we wrote and he was obsessed with uh, like like war movies and stuff so that's why we would be breaking into construction sites because that looks like World War One, World War Two, and everyone is just like, "Wow, that's amazing!" But the teachers are just like, kind of like losing their hair, like, "Why do you have guns? Why are you?" Because he had like really realistic-looking guns, and we're just a bunch of punk kids, you know, just big, completely unsupervised and uh, just like having a blast. And uh, man, like, if I can just make one side tangent um, in relation to that, we actually got in trouble once. Um, we were out in the woods and we, you know, didn't practice very safe uh, uh, precautions and so we didn't have any signs saying students working on a film. And so we like have a blood pack getting ready to explode to simulate someone being shot. And right before I pulled the trigger on this thing, like we just hear like, get down on the ground, get down on the ground. A bicyclist had seen us with our, I mean, rightfully so, good thing on them that they called the cops because I mean, any worried citizen should a bunch of children in when I say children I'm talking about like 18 year olds but like as a 28 year old 18 year olds are children anyways um we're we have these airsoft guns that look very realistic and we're all decked out in camouflage and we're in the woods like that looks very suspect and so like yeah uh, but usually we never get caught and so I guess we we get uh we, we let it get to our head and so yeah the cops came out they were calling us and they confiscated the guns and uh to this day, I always imagine, like, what if they had shown up, like, one second after I exploded that blood pack? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was that's, that's that's a little horrifying to think about, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> oof. That, like, that could have just been the end right there. <laughs> that's that's certainly like, the not... The danger and excitement of it was what kept me interested in, in pursuing that and wanting to take it seriously, like and be like you know what like I'm, I can do this for a couple more years and if it means going to college which was something I initially didn't want to do I was like the, I could, the money I spent going to college I could be spending on equipment or whatever but like it's important to my family so like if I'm going to go to college then I'm going to do it for something that I know I'm going to be paying attention to it's something I know I'm going to be engaged in and so yeah I ended up uh, uh, going to University of Houston and that's where I went to film school awesome uh, and so what, like, what did you kind of, did you continue doing those projects on the side or, um, like while you're, while you're in school? I mean, did, did you get to do them as, as even more like class projects, um, as you're going do, and doing the whole, the actual film school process? Uh, less so because being in college, like the quality of everybody's work, uh, definitely improves. And so there's an added level of stress, like for like in high school, we were, at the top and so being with other people that were at the top of their school like wasn't and I didn't also also there was the extra added uh that I didn't have my partner with me anymore and so like I was on my own and that just really stressed me out so I definitely played it I, I wasn't as dangerous in college I was a lot more safe and would stick to mostly doing like events um musical performances and stuff like that they weren't really narratives anymore so they weren't really films they were videos but not uh story driven films and i actually forgot the question you asked <laughs> uh, just, just kind of how did uh, yeah i guess uh, you, i mean you touched on it how did your how did the work kind of evolve in in film school um so yeah i think th like i think you i think you kind of hit it um or at least like even if that's not what i asked that's what i was going for so we got it we're all good um uh, yeah. So in in the timeline um, of things, because uh, I don't know, like I'm trying to I, like piece together kind of 
because uh, I always forget how old everybody is. So you're uh, you're late twenties. Yeah, twenty eight. Twenty eight. I mean, I don't always remember. I always I always assume that I'm three or four younger than whoever I'm talking to. <laughs> um, uh, that must be really weird when you're talking to Zyger. Um, <laughs> uh, so in uh, in the in the grand scheme of things, there um, where like where in all of this is. Uh, like where is this coming in when uh, and tying into you going out to, to San Francisco and, and like shooting those first um, uh, kind of videos at at IGN or, or at their their uh, their parties and stuff um, is that was that a few years ago um, while you were still in there or uh, still in like in the college area um, or is that like a couple years after college and you're just kind of out out working and doing your own stuff yeah, the IGN trip was probably my first, my second year um, in actual like film school. Between high school and uh, college, I did do like community college, where it's just like uh, you know taking your core curriculum. And my video involvement during those years was, I mean, pretty small because like I'm having to dedicate myself to uh, work and school. Like uh, you know, I, I worked during high school, but now I don't know. You grow up and you start wanting to work more so you can buy more things and so um, the videos fell a little bit but um, uh, I mean I think I lost the track of what you're saying again but just like <laughs> okay so like uh, yeah remind me what you were asking <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to tr- trying to figure out the timeline of, of when uh, so you so you took a couple years off then um, or, or, or you're not a couple years off but you're in community college for, for some time and then uh, eventually, when you start kind of in the in the film school program proper, that's when you also uh, are getting more involved or getting involved in the in the beyond um, community a little bit, uh, and and going out and, and making it to San Francisco, shooting that first kind of video with them. Um, uh, so yeah, I think like we we hit it. That's uh, we're good there. Um, in terms of uh, like continued. Um, inspirations and whatnot. I'm I'm curious, kind of, who you look to in um, the the work that, like, what what work do you admire out there? What work um, inspires you to uh, to kind of uh, keep doing it? Like, Robert Rodriguez seems like he was a pretty big impact. Do you continue like experiencing his stuff and finding new things that he's doing? And and does he still excite you, or have you kind of moved into to other tastes? Yeah, I mean, he was the first director that I, I realized, like, that I I actually paid attention to style. Growing up, you hear the name Spielberg, but to me, that didn't mean anything. He he makes movies that I like, but I am not paying attention to his style or anything like that. Um, he's just a name, but Robert Rodriguez was the first, like, face to a name and style to a name that I could put together and made me realize, oh, director, this is what they do. Like, you just see him in cartoons yelling through a microphone, but, like, he's such a hands-on person that he has his hand in every piece of production and so um i definitely admired him and he was my first like uh favorite director um but as filmmakers grow their styles change he um started doing uh i just wasn't as big a fan of him uh anymore like i was still interested in him like you lost um, him at uh, he, he lost you at spy it. kids and and shark boy and lava girl or whatever those those just didn't do yeah, it for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
not story-wise, I always did rent those so that I could watch uh, his features because no matter what film he did, whether it was something gritty and R-rated and bloody and sexy, or if it was a kid's movie, he always like was very hands-on and was very transparent with viewers and had tons of behind-the-scenes. And so I always had value in you know, his process, even though I'm not a fan of his stories, I'm a fan of his process. And so I started gravitating to other directors. Um, Tarantino, uh, I mean, that's kind of a given. A lot of people really like him. And, um, but, I mean, uh, to talk about nowadays, probably I would say that Guillermo del Toro is my favorite actor. Uh, I mean, I don't know why I said actor. Uh, director in that uh, now I'm much more uh, looking... I'm, I'm purposely looking for inspiration and his movies... Um, although on the surface aren't the movies that I would typically like to say that I'm fans of. Like, I'm, I'm not a fan of horror, and he, he is uh, usually, he's a horror filmmaker, but um, there's something about his approach to horror that is I find very interesting. He's a very visual director, and I think I'm, in trying to discover what kind of filmmaker I want to be, he's who I gravitate towards now, in that I think I'm, I, see myself as someone very visual I mean when I do these videos um, I usually take the audio out when I do these IGN videos or time fund videos it's all about you know how can I portray the story without even words and um, uh, I think I just got that a lot from watching him and how he pays attention to image and uh, emotion and color and stuff like that yeah awesome um, I know we I know we're running we're probably running up on time a little bit with you with um uh, uh with your your audio there um so do you want to do you have any any kind of final words uh we want to touch on before we dive into uh the trope topics um uh i mean like i'm 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 certainly fortunate and then i'll get to see you again in, in a few weeks and we can like chat <laughs> a little bit more about it just in person um but any any final thoughts for um for the viewer the listener on why filmmaking is is such a special art form for you um, I mean, it's just that it's, uh, it's story. I, I'm a storyteller and, uh, filmmaking is just an opportunity to tell a story multiple times. And that's why I think I gravitate towards it. Books obviously are stories, but like you only get to do it one way. Do you write it or, you know, musicians are storytellers, but there's just music. Whereas there's so many, uh, different ways to tell the same story in a movie. You're telling it through your actors. You're telling it through your sets. You're telling it through the dialogue, through the music, through the color choices, through the camera movements. You There's just so many layers to how you are telling this story. And so, man, <laughs> now I almost want to go on this whole other tangent in that, like, you know, uh, I'll try to boil it down, like, super small in that every time I've ever uh, well, thought uh, about uh, doing another like, career. Uh, I would say, it's always uh, been, real quick, it's Christian. always been. Be I was just going to say, like, if if you want, like, feel free to go on this tangent and we can we can certainly cut and do like the part four. We can, we can pick that up at some other time if we need to, because your if your audio is going to run out. So yeah, like get, give the full, the full down. I definitely don't want to like cut you off prematurely. So yeah, t uh, kind of go, go okay. where you're going and we'll, we'll figure everything else out. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, every time I've slightly put down, like every, every time I've taken the, I don't know if break is the word, but every time I get less enthused about filmmaking as I was growing up, it's because I'd be interested in another kind of career. And 
as I dived into this career, I was like, wait, like I only the only reason why I want to be in that is because like it realizes like it's because it's storytelling, and so I should just go back to filmmaking, and I'll be more specific with that. Um, I used to want to teach, and it's because that same attitude I have about like if I don't like the way someone's doing something, I feel like I got to do it myself. I feel like I had a little a lot of bad teachers, and so I'm like. I, I, I should be a teacher and show them how it's done. And as I would just fantasize about having a class and how I would teach the War of 1812 or the War of the Alamo or whatever like that, like, I just realized that my approach to teaching as I'm visualizing myself in a classroom is through storytelling, is that, yes, these things are dates in a book and there's bullet points, but like the best way to get across this knowledge is by giving it a story context that these aren't just numbers on a page or names. Like, these are actual people that participated in history who have a background who went through their own story arcs and I just realized that by the end of the fantasy I'm like you know what I'm just verbally directing a movie and um, um, this is like a, a um, uh, another uh, career I'd always wanted and it seems weird to use the word career um, but um, there was a point where I did want to be um, I did want to be a member of the clergy. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't push it on people or anything. I don't bring it up in conversation a lot, but I am like, a, uh, I'm, I'm a Catholic and I'm a practicing Catholic. And, you know, as, and sometimes you, you go to church and you're inspired. Sometimes you're not. And I always, um, and so there's that damn arrogance again of me thinking like, you know, if I was a priest, I would get this passage. I would really drive it home talking about, you know, like, uh, uh, how it relates to everyday life, how this per particular passage uh, can relate to people, and that I feel like this pastor just read from paper, whereas I would uh, take another approach. And then before you realize it, I'm like, wait a minute, like, do I just want to be a clergyman because it's a weekly storytelling session? And I don't mean, I don't mean, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It's, I, I, uh, like, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, like, I still view myself Christian, but I, I certainly don't, like, I'm not at church uh, every every week or anything, and it's another thing. I, I also don't, like, push it on people or, or really uh, kind of do that, but I was always fascinated with, like, the theatricality of it, and, like, my mom and I would have conversations about how, yeah, I'd, like, I could probably pivot, like, acting into going out there and giving a sermon each week and, and, and stand there under the very theatrical lighting and, and have, you know, the mic set up and do, like, just do a weekly performance for an audience of hundreds of people who are like engaged and, and interested in whatever story you're telling um but ultimately i was like yeah it's it's not for me uh but no i like i i appreciate that that like that's a, just another weird little like thing we we kind of have in common because yeah like i'll i'll sit I'll, like i'll still go to like christmas services or something like that and i'll just look around and and enjoy the spectacle of the show sometimes uh, that they're that that mm -hmm. is being performed whether it's through the music that's going on or like i will just look up and be like yeah like i know those theatrical lighting instruments like we i hung those in in the theater <laughs> i was working in just last week yeah <laughs> um and and like the the amount the it, it at times i'll be like it's not fair that they have that like that much money in lighting equipment up there like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm working out of a, freak, a freaking warehouse like on a shoestring budget trying to do the show i want to do <laughs> Um, so yeah, like mm -hmm. I, that, that's a, that's a interesting, uh, interesting kind of correlation. I think that, that you're, you you also see that as like storytelling and, and, um, and the production of it. Um, 
as a as kind of a um, the value of of uh, the that ritual a little bit. Um, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. So I don't know how how much time do you have left on your on your recording? Do you know? Are you, can you are you able to tell? Twenty minutes. All right. We can yeah we can try and do some rapid fire. Uh, I think I've only got a few few questions. So yeah we can we can kind of plow through these. All right. Well here like we'll try it and and see where we go. So topic four, uh, trove topics is where you can uh, tweet at me or use the hashtag Trove Topics uh, or, or tweet at the show at Trove Talk and, uh, and we'll kind of take your questions and, and, uh, and answer them. So um, up first, uh, friend of the show, uh, Brandon Gann asks, at Games Gann asks, if you had to pick one thing about your favorite hobby you don't like, what would it be? So just bump, we'll, we'll just kind of maybe uh, rapid fire through these. So for me, I would say like um, the the fanboyism of of gaming is certainly something that uh that kind of often rubs me the wrong ways because it's it it's i don't like when arguments are so passion driven instead of logic driven and using rationality because it just opens people up to crazy hypocrisy where the the thing they love about one game they hate about another game even though it's the exact same thing just because it's like they're they're so yeah. ingrained in fanboyism so how about you? What do you what do you have? I, and what, I, like, what's the hobby, and I, what what do you? I, uh... I agree. On... I'll uh, I'll hit that in just a second, but uh, just uh, what you, about what you said? I have like the double burden of being a gaming fan and an anime fan, an equally passionate and sometimes toxic community that can get over like over, it does more bad than good. Some of the conversations they have. Um, yeah, absolutely. But anyways, um, I'm I'm a I. He says hobby, and I wouldn't really consider for making a hobby, but I'm just for, uh, I, I he might that's what he might have meant, and so just like the worst thing about filmmaking is when you're on a set and the people in charge don't have, uh, they want to cut corners and end up every the project ends up uh, suffering because of it, and I'm a, I'm a real stickler for I like to bend rules and stuff, but I'm a really stickler for like pro pre proper preparation like pre-production like you know as much detail into getting ready for uh for a shoot as possible and i hate it because it ends up taking twice as long and it does it's half as good when you don't properly prepare for a film set you know yeah no i totally i, I ran into the same thing doing like the theater rehearsals if if people don't show up ready <laughs> to go or or um or off book or on like if they if they don't know their lines um and and now suddenly my my rehearsal is derailed because somebody else didn't come prepared it it's one of my biggest pet peeves in in that in that hobby as well um cool uh next question is from our friend nikki powell at harley quinn 103 uh she says i'm gonna need a good ramen recipe the dude's ramen looks so effortless k thanks um so yeah like <laughs> she she posted this and i immediately knew because um a lot of your snapchat stories uh at pixel brave on on snapchat um are are just delicious looking ramen that you just kind of throw together and i'm like i i hate you dude uh <laughs> so 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 what's your what what uh what tips and tricks uh, or ramen recipe recipes do you have for nikki um i mean it, the, the it's really a lot it's really very simple like the ramen i use is like just the typical 60 cent like college dorm room ramen um but all you do is just put it in a bowl with your favorite things and um 
the sad thing is that I was actually in Japan for two weeks and didn't really experience but one bowl of like authentic Japanese ramen. But anyways, before we get, I get long winded. Yeah, like you, what do you like? You just visited the vegetable and what do you like? So usually I like green onions, I like mushrooms. So I just like kind of saute them a bit and throw them in the bowl. I like chicken, so I'll season it, just put it on the stove and throw that in the bowl. It's just really a, a uh, just a, I, I'm sure you can think of a better word than me, uh, just a big collection of you know your favorite things and um, the only tip I have is don't use the actual flavor packet that comes with your ramen uh, put a little soy sauce in there very little just for extra taste and um, let the rest of your ingredients do the do the flavor action for you excellent um, I have nothing to add to this I'll... because I don't I don't make my like I barely <laughs> ever make my own food I like I barely ever cook or anything like that and ramen is not one of my uh, it's certainly not one of my fortes. I think the only time I ever really do ramen is when we're all like together at one of these events or something. And, and in San Francisco, I'll, I'll I'll come out with everybody and do some ramen. But yeah, for the most part, I'm like, oh, that's that's just not a like. Even even in college, I never did the like the the poor man's ramen. That was just never like I just mm-hmm. did fast food yeah. instead. So um, so cool. Um, our friend Brian Nabishin Jackson, Brian Artist Jackson at Nabishin one eight six asks, "Why is Christian an FMA Brotherhood naysayer?" Uh, so, I, if I recall correctly, this this came about as a result of when uh, when Danny was on the show and talked about and recommended uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and you kind of chimed in in the comments when you were listening to the show. You were like, "Why? Why that one? Why? Why Brotherhood?" So, uh, so do you care to <laughs> respond and and defend um, why? Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is is the inferior FMA. Yes. Um, before I do, I don't. I honestly, I'm my old man brain. I honestly don't remember if I gave Nick any love. For thank you so much for your question and thanks for watching my ramen. And I hope someday we can have some ramen together. Um, <laughs> but Brian, but Navishin, I don't know. I, I always call him Navishin. Um, the reason why everybody likes Brotherhood is because it uh, properly tells the story of the manga. But I think it's an inferior production. Uh, the 2003 version of uh, Fullmetal Alchemist, um, I just think, is better produced in that it has much better art, um, better acting, better uh, uh, colors are much more vibrant. Um, uh, whereas Brotherhood, yes, it, it tells a better story. But you know what? I already got that story from reading the manga, and so even though it's retelling it accurately in anime form. I think the image quality is inferior. I think they skip over a lot of important moments because they, and Danny even touched on this. He's like, the reason why they skipped over them is because they know that real fans already experienced it the first time that the anime came out. But I mean, I don't think that's like a valid reason. Um, so I think for just from a production standpoint, story, yes, I admit Brotherhood has a better story, but just the product that they give you is inferior. Excellent. Great, uh, great mm-hmm. little defense uh, of it. Thank you. Um, up next, Ben Bellevue at Mr. Underscore Bento Box asks, uh, um, for you, Christian, what's your favorite part of making vids? Uh, just the team effort. Um, I love collaborating and uh, sharing ideas. And so I'm actually really sad because this weekend I was supposed to be in Houston and uh, being part of the 48-hour film competition with my friends. But um, as I said earlier, my car broke down, so I can't be there with them. Well, you got to collaborate with me on this instead, so it's it, it, it all <laughs> yeah, worked out. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, thank you so much for, for coming on. And then uh, Ben asks for me, how does one get on this illustrious show? And uh, and Ben, uh, you basically just get added to my list of people here on my my note in my phone. So I go I went ahead and just threw you on the bottom. So 
Um, I'll get around to you at some point. I've still got at least 20 people on here that, that I need to work with and coordinate uh, <laughs> that I that I already know I want to bring on the show at some point. So it's an ever-growing list. Thank you for the interest, and, and I'm sure we'll make it happen at some point. Um, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, Brandon, Brandon Gann, at Games Gann, um, lean forward in that uh, intently. Is, it was his, uh, it was his <laughs> kind of response to the, the tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. uh, Fiona McKinnon, at Zeranix, uh, which should be at Felona or at Fionope, if you follow her on uh, on Twitch. Um, uh, she asks, if you could pick a novel or play that has never been made into a movie, what would it be and who would lead? Uh, who would be the lead roles? Um, uh, have you had a chance to kind of give this one some thought? Because I've got an answer that I've, I've put together if you, want, if you need some time. No, yeah. Um, I, uh, in high school, I read these novels by... They were mystery novels, and I don't even consider myself a fan of mystery books. This was the one exception, was there is this series by an author named Rudolfo Anaya, or Alaya. Um, I think it's yeah, Rudolfo Anaya, but it's this mystery uh, series with uh, a Hispanic detective. And like seeing Hispanic heroes is a rarity. And so in high school, that really resonated with me. And I always thought, like, if I ever got the chance that to grow up and actually become a very successful filmmaker, I would love to do this series. Um, because, I mean, it's um, they're, they're, they're cool mysteries, but they really embrace like uh, Hispanic superstition and, and the culture of like uh, uh, the curanderas and um, Mexican like uh, superstition and, and uh, the kind of occult uh, culture part of Mexico. And so it's kind of, it was, I, I always thought it was really interesting. And so um, I don't have any actors in mind because I always read those books and imagined family members in those roles. Um, but uh, that is definitely a series that, and, it, and I can't, re- I don't know the umbrella name because every book has its own title. But if you looked up Rio Grande Falls, like the, the Rio Grande uh, in, uh, uh, um, it, they all take place in Arizona but, or in New Mexico, by the way. Um, but Rio Grande Falls is the first one that I bought um, and really enjoyed. Excellent. And I, like I think I think your family can certainly be the leads in it. That's there's nothing. She didn't she didn't <laughs> say it needed to be celebrities or anything. Um, great. Um, yeah. My my answer. So my immediate go to was like Hamilton. They should just make that a movie and just do it with who like all the all the original actors. Um, the alternative one of the uh, which. Um, one of the things they're doing right now with Hamilton, which I've you know expounded on uh, back when when Alex was on the show, we talked about that a lot, um, uh, is the the uh, they're doing um, a mixtape right now, a mixtape version where they're taking like the songs of Hamilton and remixing them with um, with uh, like hip hop artists and, and musicians and whatnot. And so um, the alternative to seeing it with like the original people up on the on the big screen would be seeing it with hip-hop artists and like masters of that craft embodying those roles i think would be would be a really interesting kind of take on it um and then the alternative uh, if i want to go with like uh, a, a novel um it's it's a personal choice but it's uh, a friend of mine uh, a gentleman by the name of tom levine uh he's a, a local um young adult author here in uh, in arizona um uh, he and I have worked together in theater a little bit. Um, one of the first things of his I read was a book called Party, and it's uh, it's basically like a high school theater party, um, like end of end of senior year kind of thing. And um, each chapter, it's it's told a little bit like 
Game of Thrones style, so each chapter is told from a different person's perspective, and so you kind of go from character to character throughout the night. Um, I don't really have like um, a cast picked out for that one, but um, like I, like just a lot of good young young and up and coming um, kids because it was very it 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 was very angsty and it, it like I read this probably you know ten years out of high school myself and um, it was very like like nostalgic for high school and the things that those kids are going through and and it was a very good diverse set of characters so if anybody out there hasn't read it or is in, it, it, as as I'm sure most of you have not read it because um, it, he's not like a big blockbuster um, uh, novelist um, but yeah it's a it's a, pl- a book called Party um, because he's done theater for years and years um, that's that's how I knew him was uh, as a theater director um, he's got a great way with dialogue um, like he can really write characters talking back and forth um in in a way that i don't always see very well in uh, in reading in literature so yeah that would be that would be my uh my answer is my two answers there and then uh last question actually uh, really cool oh, <laughs> oh yeah huh sorry no that sounds that sounds oh. like a really cool plot uh i like that i i, I really like slice of life coming yeah. of age uh, he's got another so. one um that i haven't had a chance to read yet i i, I don't even remember what it's called i think it's called uh, no, I don't even remember. Um, but it's it's basically like theater. It's it's again. It's it's like he writes what he knows. So it's theater kids. Um, and like while they're like at school, like it working backstage or something, a zombie outbreak happens. And so it's like the kids the, in the theater department having to survive a zombie outbreak and what that what that experiences is. He's he's got some fun ideas out there. Um, he's a he's a great guy. Uh, definitely check him out, Tom Levine. Nice. Um. Uh, so last question real quick uh, David Game Galt at David Game Games on Twitter asks are there any other skills you wish you had a natural talent for if so how would you utilize them uh, this is what you call a callback uh, bringing it all back to games because I mostly played platformers and stuff like that I never learned or acquired the hand-eye coordination to play shooters which like so many of my friends and family are such a fan of them and I grew up watching shooters like my cousins playing GoldenEye and Call of Duty and Modern Warfare and I always like thought they looked really cool but like whenever I just grab the controller I just end up shooting the sky shooting the floor and uh, I've only ever successfully beaten one uh, first person shooter and that is uh, Bioshock Infinite which was cool Um, and it kind of gives me the hope that someday I can really learn to hone that skill because they all look great like you know overwatch looks like a lot of fun destiny which uh, looks kind of like i'm not really into war games or shooters or anything um but it's just separated enough because it's sci-fi and with a hint of mysticism and supernaturalness that i'm like i'm intrigued i kind of want to check that out but i know that i would just keep dying (laughs) (laughs) nice um i mean mine is mine is more outside of the the gaming spectrum i would love to uh, like I would love to have a natural talent for playing music, um, <coughs> more so. Like I played, I, I was a percussionist growing up, um, uh, and played. So I like I could read music, and I would play. Even like I wasn't just a, a drummer. I would play like xylophones and and timpani and and stuff. So I could mm-hmm. read the music and I could perform the music. But I always wanted to be able to just like it'd be, I, it'd be really cool to be able to like pick up a guitar and just kind of play that, or or, or uh, sit down at a piano and without having to study. Um, a song for um, hours and hours to parse together like the theme from Harry Potter um, just being able to kind of uh, have a, a quicker understanding and just be able to like crank something out 
um, whether it be like original stuff or um, like accompany myself on uh, like just the songs I enjoy. Like I'd love to just be able to sit down and, and create music in that, in that regard. That's probably what I would go to. Um, so yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Christian, for, for joining me. Uh, I think I've got like a couple minutes here to do the outro. Um, uh, uh, so at, uh, at pixel brave is where they can find you. Um, and then it's, uh, is it also youtube.com slash pixel brave? Or do you have like one of those like garbly things and they need to actually just search pixel brave? No, it's 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 at uh, slash pixel brave. But oh. I usually uh, ask people to check out my Twitter. Yeah, um, it's just easier for me to interact uh, with people if they have any comments about anything that I'm doing. Yeah, sure. But but they can see your they can see the videos. They can see after yeah, the credits. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, after the credits yeah. at at, uh, at uh, yeah, YouTube uh, slash pixel brave, which will be in the comments uh, below. You'll be able to you can you can find the link down there. Um, well, thank you so much, Christian. Cool. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in a few thank weeks. Thank you. Um, yeah. As far as yeah, it's, PSX is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, going to have some some great videos coming out of that, I'm sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, be part of the show. Tweet at uh, at Trove Talk with uh, with your Trove topics. hashtag Trove topics. Thank you to everybody that did that did use the hashtag this week. Uh, even if you were calling me out for uh, giving people crap on it, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I saw. Um, and thank you also for Fiona for coming up with hashtag Trevor topics. Um, that was a, that was a, a new one I hadn't seen yet. Um, uh, you can follow me at Snarky Starky on Twitter. Uh, you can check out uh, whatever I've been writing recently, if I've been uh, putting anything up there on uh, trevortrove.com. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the... Oh, um, uh, depending on when you watch this, as it's coming out and whatnot, um, I am going to be streaming for Extra Life over Thanksgiving weekend. So uh, please come uh, come check that out. I'm going to be playing Bloodborne for the very first time, having never really played a, a Souls game, and I'm pretty bad at video games, so going to be dying a lot, and I've made the commitment that I will be donating $1 for every death during my run through the game, um, and I hope I, I hope <laughs> I have enough money to continue going to shows afterwards. Uh, but it's going to be for a good cause, for, uh, for Extra Life. Uh, I'm, I'm supporting, uh, personally, the, uh, the Phoenix Children's Hospital here in, uh, in AZ. They do a lot of great work um, and, and have a lot of great programs uh, for, for the kids that are, that are in and out their doors. Um, so, yeah, check that out. That's going to happen uh, over Thanksgiving weekend. Follow me on Twitter at, uh, at Snarky Starkey for more details. I'm sure I'll post and, and tweet out as, uh, as I'm getting closer to it and, and probably write up a thing. Um, again, Christian, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and, yeah, I can't wait to, to see you again in a couple weeks. And, uh, and Yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, uh, from, from here in the Trove, treasure your friends. Until next time.